Father, we love you. We thank you for promising to be here in our midst. That we are, are gathered in the presence of God right now. Thank you for intentionally seeking us out when we are not seeking out you. And thank you for calling us to faith. And for those of us here tonight who are, who are doubting, who are wondering or, or not believing, I pray that you would draw us by your Holy Spirit to faith. And for those of us who are believing but doubting, help us in our unbelief. Strengthen our faith for your glory and for our blessing. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. At this time, I would like to invite Blake to come forward for tonight's scripture reading. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that through but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Amen. So if you want, you can join us in John chapter 3. We're going to be spending the majority of our time there uh, tonight as we talk about what it means to live with intentional faith. had a chance this week to have coffee with a friend, and I was asking about whenever you started this job, did you get a lot of on-the-job training? Did you already know all the systems you had to do already, or did you get a lot of training once you got there? And the answer uh, surprised me a little bit that there was very little on-the-job training. It's implied with a lot of jobs that you, you know things already. And I don't know if maybe you understand what it's like, but sometimes you might say that you're more familiar with an aspect of that job than maybe you are familiar with, you know? Like, are you familiar with Excel? Oh, absolutely. I practically wrote the program. You know, I mean, I don't say you said that, but anyway, but sometimes you uh, are expected to know certain things and you don't have a lot of on-the-job training to help you learn that. So what do you do? You research. You learn, you learn as quickly as you can because why? Why do you have to learn that so quickly when you're on the job? Exactly. Your job depends on it, right? You have to learn these things. And so you make it an intentional aspect of your life that I'm going to learn these programs because my job depends upon it. You take intentional steps. You don't just think, you know, well, one day I'll, I'll kind of figure it out. But no, you take practical, intentional steps in order to learn what you need to know in order to succeed at your job. Today we're going to talk about how we need to take steps of intentionality with our faith. Our faith is sometimes uh, we expect our world to be a plug-and-play. I love going on Netflix or other places. It's very easy to go on there and plug things in, and it does all the hard work for you. It organizes things for you. But we expect sometimes our faith to do that as well, and sometimes there are some very simple steps we need to be taking that aren't going to happen automatically. So tonight we're going to talk about that. 
There are three things we're going to see. We're going to see that love leads to action. We're going to see that our faith leads to sacrifice. And finally, we'll see that our only, excuse me, only faith in Jesus leads to life. So as we look at John chapter 3, verse 16, let's look at number one on our list tonight that we're going to study. Number one is love leads to action. You see, it was the love of God that we see here in John 3.16, the love of God that led God to act. It led him to do something intentionally. It wasn't some vague prose that God wrote down to somehow communicate this abstract love for us to somehow discover. But God did something very real and very concrete. And what was it that he did? Well, look look with me in John chapter 3, verse 16. This is, uh, if you've noticed, we've looked at this verse every week since we started this series, and one of the drawbacks to preaching a verse that is very familiar is that we've become numb to the power of it. And this is a, a fantastic verse that says so much. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. One of the things that I've, I've learned in studying this is that the word here where it says so, for God so loved the world, the word that's translated so can also be translated in two other ways. The word for so can also be translated in this way, and it can also be translated as follows. For example, the, another translation, the Holman Christian Standard, reads like this. Our English translation is the next slide, and it says... For God loved the world, what? In this way. So instead of so loved and and emphasizing, I've always really heard that God so loved the world, right? That he was so passionately, uh, passionately loving the world. And that is true, that is part of it. But more than that, it's showing us that God loved the world in this way. This is how he loved the world. This is intentionally what God has done to show the love that God has for the world. This is what this verse is saying to us. How many of you, and and so one of the things that, um, that we can see in our world today is there's this false war that's been presented to us, that there's this war between actions over here and words over here, a false dichotomy between these two. How many of you have heard the phrase, Preach the gospel at all times. Use words when necessary. Raise your hand. Need some participation. Quite a few of you, right? St. Francis of Assisi is accredited with, with saying that um, by most people. I'd like to tell you, I don't, I don't know if I'd like to tell you, but it would be good for you to know, as I found out too, that he never said this anywhere. This is not something that he said. In fact, there's, there's no recording in any of his writings to where this was said by him. And what the saying is, is preach the gospel at all times, use words when necessary. And the problem that that quote does is it lends us to believe that we only need to really preach the gospel with our actions. We don't really have to use our words so much. And so it puts up this, this war. Again, it fuels that lie that our actions are more important than our words. But that's not at all what St. Francis ever said. In fact, he was known for, be, for being a wonderful and powerful preacher of his words. The closest thing that he said that would be uh, related to what this, is, this quote is trying to say is this. He has said things that were translated or, or summed up as this. Make sure that your actions line up with your words. 
Make sure that your actions line up with your words. That's very different than the quote that we often hear. And that is very true. Our actions need to line up with our words. Too many times that that quote that we hear is, is said in a way that makes us feel better when we don't use words to share our faith. Well, I'm preaching the gospel and how I live. I'm doing the right things, and, and, and the, I'm, I'm, I'm showing God through these ways. And we feel better about ourselves because we're living a certain way, but we're not sharing the word of God with our words. What we need to do is take intentional steps the way God did toward us and take intentional steps to interact with others, to be ready to use our words when we have a chance to do that. How many of you know that I'm a, a head baseball coach? I got a couple. I got a, I got a fellow dad back there on the back there. Um, I, I get to coach my son's baseball team, and I almost said it's a lot of fun. <laughs> but it is. And in some ways, it is a lot of fun. But it is also a lot of work because you got eight, nine, ten-year-old kids running around. And I don't know if a lot of you teachers know about the attention span of eight, nine, ten-year-olds' kids. Uh, it's not that much easier on the baseball field either. But... What I do intentionally with this group of kids is I have their names written down in, a, in my Trello list online. And when I go through those lists, I pray for those kids all the time. I write down little things about them that remind me of how I can pray for them. Situations they're going through at home, things that they've let me into, uh, uh, information they've let me know so I know how to pray for them better. I write those notes down. And this is something private that I do. It better prepares me to, to use my words to encourage them. What I do publicly with them is I share my words specifically to encourage them. You know as well as I do, there are plenty of people that like to tear people down with their words, right? One of the gifts that God, one of the gifts that God has given to us is the power of the tongue, the power to encourage people with our words. And so I try to use those opportunities to, to teach these boys uh, and encourage them and to build them up. In fact, this past week at batting practice, there was one particular kid who every time I would throw the ball at him for batting practice, he would step back because he was scared. And I said, no, 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 don't be scared of the ball. The ball's not going to hit you. In fact, I want you to say this. I will hit the ball. Say it, say it. I will hit the ball. I will hit the ball. Okay, good. Now hit the ball. And he, and he missed, you know. But I, said, I kept doing it over and over. I said, I will hit the ball. And you could see the confidence growing within him every time he said this. And so I like to be funny. I don't know if you picked up on that. I don't, know, I don't always succeed, but I like to do it. Um, but I, was, I would say, all right, I want you to prophesy. Prophesy. I want you to hit that ball because I know I'm a pastor, so I get to you know, say stuff all the time. And so uh, prophesy. Tell me I'm going to hit the ball. Anyway, the boy ended up hitting the ball better than he ever had in his life. The next game uh, was two days later on Wednesday, and he got a base hit and did not stop running until he hit home plate. Got an in-the-park home run. He only hit it to the pitcher. But in that league, you know, that's a mammoth hit sometimes. You know, he had throwing errors everywhere. Um, his coach at first was telling him to stop. So this week we're going to say, I will listen to the first base coach. <laughs> I will stop it first when told. <laughs> um, but you, you, you want to use intentional words to build people up and, and take those opportunities. You and I are more than baseball coaches. We're more than executive assistants. We're more than entrepreneurs. We're more than students. We're more than stay-at-home moms. Listen, we are ambassadors of Christ. That's who you are. We have different roles that we play within the kingdom, 
but we are ambassadors of Jesus. We represent the king wherever we are. I have a question. Do you love your king or do you feel simply obligated to him? There's a difference. If you're just obligated to the king, you'll serve, but you'll be grumpy about it. It'll bother you and it will be a burden. But when you love your king, it will be effortless. You will love to serve him. And if you are only finding yourself obligated to Jesus, then what you need to do tonight is to remind yourself of the good news that the God of all creation intentionally acted into your life and pursued you and gave his son for you. He expressed his love for you by giving everything for you to become a child of God and to give you life forever. And then once we start to grasp that, now we can be obligated to the king with a deep love for him. The first thing is, love leads to action. The second point tonight is this. Our faith leads to sacrifice. Love leads to action. Our faith leads to sacrifice. We see very clearly the sacrifice that that God gave for us in John 3.16, where His love led to sacrifice. So let's look again at John 3.16. For God So loved the world, or God loved the world in this way, how? That he gave his only begotten son. God's love led him to give everything. What are the sacrifices that we're to give to God? Our faith leads to sacrifice. Well, two of them are in Hebrews. I'll just mention them briefly. The sacrifice of praise, which is what we do when we praise God through music, through prayer, through words, through thanksgiving, and also through good deeds. These are doing things that are good, that build people up, that bring glory to God. We know that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, so we do not have to give sacrifices in order to please God. But out of receiving the sacrifice of Jesus, we now praise Him and do good deeds as a response to receiving that sacrifice. But I want us to look quickly at, at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and look more at what this verse, these verses say about what it means to live as uh, live a life of sacrifice. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is Paul writing, and he says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable or well-pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And to not be conformed to this world, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable or well-pleasing and perfect. This verse tells us that our entire bodies, everything we are, is to be a living sacrifice to God. Everything about our bodies is to be a holy sacrifice to God. Very simply, this means that everything about us is to be surrendered to the Lord. And say, everything I am is yours, Jesus. I am a living sacrifice to you. 
It's you going before the Lord and saying, my life is not about me any longer. But everything about me is about you. My coaching, my work, my job, everything, which is the same thing usually as your work. (laughs) Some of you caught that. It's saying, I'm putting Jesus first in everything. It means no longer is your marriage about you receiving something from your spouse, but your marriage is about honoring Jesus. The way I love my wife or my husband represents and is a way for me to sacrifice and give my life for the glory of Jesus. It means everything about my parenting. Since it's Mother's Day, let's go there. Everything about the way I parent my child is about Jesus now. Everything about my work, also known as your job by some people, your career, everything I do there is about bringing honor and glory to God. Everything I do behind the wheel of a car when I'm driving is for the glory of God. Every time I cram into a crowded subway, it's for the glory of God. After you get on and you push the people out of the way, of course, you ask them to forgive you if you feel like it. Every time I go out with my friends at night, it's about the glory of God. That's what a living and holy sacrifice is, that everything is a sacrifice to the Lord by surrendering it all to Him. Earlier, I asked the women to cup their hands, and I want to ask all of you to do that right now. It's very simple. You just do this right here. Just cup your hands together. And what you can do is you can just say, Lord, this represents my entire life. This is all of me, and I give it to you right now. This would be a wonderful opportunity for you to do that. You don't have to do it right now in front of everyone, but you can if you want. But this is a wonderful opportunity for you to visually, in your prayer time, give your life to God every day. It's not about, Christianity is not about, okay, once I prayed a prayer and now I'm not going to hell. Christianity is every day I'm denying myself because Jesus went to hell for me. I have life and I am dying to myself. I am denying myself and picking up the cross and I am following Jesus. It's a life of sacrifice. And it's saying, God, everything that I am is now yours. Our faith leads to sacrifice. Is it easy? Absolutely not. Because we live in a city of pleasures, don't we? The finest pleasures of everything is here. This is the most tempting city maybe in the world. I don't know. It's got to be, right? My heart has been exposed in so many ways. I thought I was a good I actually thought I was a good Christian until I moved here. But there is every temptation, food, lust, money, ple- every pleasure is here. And to lay that down and say, "God, I want nothing of the world. The only thing that I want is you." That is a sacrifice. The Christian life is not easy, but it is comforting. Because as we lay everything down, the Holy Spirit gives us a type of comfort and empowering that the world is so desperately in need of. We are called to be set apart. We are called to be different. We are called to be people who sacrifice, who give, the way a good, godly mother sacrifices her life. It's difficult a lot of times for women when they become a mother for the first time because their identity has been so, you know, contained as to I'm a, I'm a woman, I have this type of beauty, I am a, or a wife, and I do these things, and then you become a mom, and, and then 
I'm not speaking from experience, but from experience by experience by 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 watching. But um, the but then you become a mother, and then that little precious baby finally says, "Dada," <laughs> and you're like, "Wait, I gave birth to you!" But then finally, the precious baby says, "Mama," and it is wonderful. They said my name, and then when you're you're about nine, they're about nine or ten. They're saying, "Mom, Mom." And mom no longer is this beautiful name anymore. You're like, don't, never say mom again. <laughs> That's never happened before. Sacrifice is hard. It is. But sacrifice, our faith leads to it, and it's giving everything to God. And the third point is this. Only faith in Jesus leads to life. So love leads to action. Faith leads to sacrifice intentionally. These are intentional acts you have to do. It's not just going to happen. And only faith in Jesus leads to life. Intentionally, you need to be reminded of this often. God was moved in John 3.16. We'll actually go to that verse one more time. And we see this part. For God loved the world in this way that he gave his only begotten son. There's the action that he did. So that... Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so God's intentional plan came to this intentional specific solution. He was going to send his only son into the world, and whoever believes in this only son, they will have eternal life. Whoever trusts in, believes in, takes hold of, who has faith in Christ, will be given life. This is the purpose. In this way, God has shown us the way, which leads us to John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, when we're speaking of the way. Later in the chapter, go to the next slide. In John 14, verse 6, of 14 verses 1 through 6, Jesus is speaking, and he says, Do not let your heart be troubled. He's speaking to his disciples. He says, But believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. And you know the way. You know the way where I am going. And Thomas asked the question we're all wondering. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? And then Jesus answers to him, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one. Can you say no one? No one comes to the Father but through me. One of the most difficult things for me to process is having friends that I love dearly that reject Jesus as Lord. There are some difficult things in life, but this is one of the most difficult things for me to process. They do wonderful things for me. They love me. They take care of me. But they reject the faith that I hold dearest to me, and they reject the faith that the Bible says is the only way to have the sentence of death from sin 
taken away. So what do we do with our friends that we love dearly who reject Christ? Two things. There's more than that, but just two things quickly. Pray for them. This is something you can do all the time in your private prayer life. Pray for them. It's also something that you need to do to intentionally ask them, hey, what are some ways I can be praying for you? I have very rarely had anyone turn me down from that. It almost always works. What are some ways I can be praying for you? For some people, they tell me, it trips me out when you ask me that. And I'm like, good, I hope it does. It's supposed to. And the second thing, if you, after you pray for them, is to seek intentional ways to tie in your faith to their life and yours. And that, what I mean by that is to be ready with your words. Your actions are not enough. Your actions need to match your words. Seek intentional ways to be, to tie in your faith with your life and theirs, to be ready. I have a teammate on the flag football team who uh, were the number one seed in the playoffs. Hey, <laughs> Larry and John are on the team, and Austin too. That's all right. Yeah, so the three of us. So you can ask and pray for us Wednesday night as we battle for the cup. Or, or not, you don't have to. That's fine. But uh, I have one of, my, one of my friends, and we went out after, uh, after the game for wings, and uh, we were talking, and he said, hey, man, I want to ask you a question. He said, this might be awkward, but I noticed that you don't swear like, uh, like I do. And uh, I was just wondering, uh, does, it, does it offend you when I, when I swear? And I was really, uh, at first, impressed that I didn't even realize he noticed. And in fact, I, my first thought was, obviously, you're not around me very much. If you think I don't swear, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but you know, there are times when I don't uh, contain myself and I, I use language I probably shouldn't or, or shouldn't. I won't say probably. But, uh, but, I, but he did notice something was different about the language I use. And I, I had a chance. You know, I said part of my faith is I try to make sure my language is honoring to God. And um, I explained that you know, I, I really try to protect uh, you know, God's name and the way I use God and Jesus because taking something holy and and using it in an unholy way is, is dangerous. And uh, I said, but I'm not offended by you and your language. And uh, it led to a good conversation, and I ended up telling him, I said, dude, I would love to talk with you about Jesus all night. Uh, that would be great. I said, um, and I look forward to talking with you more about that, but I'm not going to bug you about it incessantly. And I'm not going to be that guy. I said, but, I, but I, at the same time, I don't think there's anything more important than we could talk about. And we talked about a little bit here and there after that, but not a lot. But the point is, are you ready when those opportunities happen? The, the way for us to be ready for that is to be in love with Jesus. That we're, if we're talking with him enough privately, that when we have these opportunities publicly, we will be ready for them. I finished by saying, man, thanks for asking me. Uh, it was very thoughtful of you to... Uh, to consider whether or not I would be offended or not. And uh, it, it, was, it was a very vivid reminder for me that our actions do need to match our words. I didn't even realize it. It was just part of the thing. It's not, I didn't do anything outside the norm of what I normally do. But someone noticed. And it led to a beautiful conversation. People are watching you in a good way. People are watching you in a not-so-good way. And so what we should always be striving to do is to make sure whether people are watching or whether people are not, how are our actions lining up 
with our words? Are we following Christ with our words and not with our actions? Absolutely, you are empowered to share the good news of Jesus if you will intentionally look for those opportunities. And the way you will be ready for that is to remember two things. Remember who you are and remember why you have your life. Remember who you are. You belong to Jesus. You're an ambassador of the King. And the reason you have life is because God gave His only Son. And now you're believing in Him and you've been given life eternally. The way that our heart gets fueled in this is to remember that that Jesus stayed focused on His intentions. He was intentionally um, set and and focused on exactly why He was here. Even Peter, one of His closest disciples, tried to talk Him out of going to the cross. Jesus, you can't do that. I'm not going to let you go to the cross. And Jesus told Him, get behind me, Satan, which means you're, you're speaking as the enemy right now because if I don't go to the cross then all of this is in vain. But Jesus stayed intentional, and He lived His life in a way that He was able to die for us in a way that we were not able, so that we would not have to die ourselves the death that we deserve. And He intentionally gave all of His life so that we could go from death to life. And now our job, our opportunity, is to give all of our life back to Him. To receive what we have given from, received from Him, and then give it all back to Him as a living sacrifice. So, my final exhortation would be this. Don't expect your faith just to happen, but to live with intentional faith. Remember how... On the job training, if you don't know the skills, you got to learn them or your job depends upon it. I mean, your job depends on it, so you learn it. Well, when it comes to faith, when we live with intentional faith, we should remember something more significant than a job depends upon us living with intentional faith. Our lives and the lives of others are drastically affected if we choose not to share our faith. You can do this. Is it awkward? Absolutely. Is rewarding? There's nothing better. There's nothing better in the world than seeing someone's life changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit because you shared the living and active Word of God with them. It's amazing. You are commissioned to do that. You are empowered to do that by the Holy Spirit. Just give your life to Him as a living and holy sacrifice and let Him... Work His power through you. Amen? Amen. I will close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank You so much for being a God of intentional faith and love. And we receive the Word of God today that, uh, that You have loved us in such a specific way that You gave Your only Son so that we could have life eternal. And so today we give ourselves to You totally. We as an act of faith, cup our hands and put our lives in our hands and we give it to you and we say, may all of us be used for all of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.